Good evening and welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for this evening. And tonight is going to be... It's like you'd usually call it a quick start and a kick start, but it's not that. So it's going to be a, a ho-ho on the go-go. <laughs> Which is Because <laughs> uh, the title for the show is going to be how do you like your board games, Mr. Barnes? Rolled or dized? Oh. Do you like that? Joy- See what you did with that. Do you like that? Because joining me tonight is Mr. Mike Barnes, who is, he's either bits of who dares rolls, but if yeah. you see him outside looking smart in a tie, that means he's the UK regional manager for Dized UK. Isn't that right? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure I'll be wearing shirts and ties anytime soon. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> um, we're kind of we're, we're kind of like cool and trendy company. So you know, it's it's onesies all around or something. Uh, do you, Do you have a collection of onesies? <laughs> no, I, do you know what? I don't actually own a onesie. However, I did see a Chewbacca one the other day in Primark, and I was kind of tempted. <laughs> uh, that, that did nearly tip me over the edge. I was like, well, I might have to. I think the only trouble with that is that you know you're only going to get about two washes out of it, and yes. then you're going to have to put it in the bin. Either that, this is true. Either that, or you have to wear it forever and not wash yes. it at all. Just, just don't wash it. Get the full <laughs> Wookie type sort of you know odor to it. You know? The the, <laughs> the musk. <laughs> yes. The, uh, I suppose we better tell these fine people while here. Hello, for everybody that's joining <laughs> yes. us for the first time. Uh, thank you for joining and listening. Um, the reason that we do this is quite simply because we, for some reason, don't believe there's enough podcasts out there about board games. Don't ask me why. I've written long letters to myself to try and understand it more, but you know, it's still a thought that goes around my head. And the other reason... <clears throat> Now we do this, apart from giving big coughs down the mic to poor mm-hmm. Mike, is that um, sometimes you like to get people on when there's something new and exciting in the board game sphere of things. So when Mike kind of was talking about the concept of Dazed, I thought, oh, I'll have a chat with him and see what he's saying to it. So this is why we've brought him on here tonight. So officially, Mr Barnes, good evening to you, sir. I Good evening it, to you. I know it's taken five minutes, but you know. Well, you know, it's like the opening credit sequence of a Bond movie. It's, it's well, I'm not, I, I don't think we should sing. The, Who would sing? No, the, no, no, you don't want that. Okay, well, okay, <laughs> here we go. First question then, if you had a theme tune, <laughs> what's, oh, your theme, a, what's your theme tune going to be? What's my theme? That's a, what do you hit me with that sort of question straight out the gate? Well, it's not question um, and answers, it's just a general chat, as I say. It's not, uh, I'm not trying to get yes, anything out of you, just your no. theme tune song. My theme tune song would probably be something, anything from the Derek and Clive albums. <laughs> you just stop, we can't do this, because you know, <laughs> you know where they go with that. Yeah, no, well, we'll leave that there. People so, can go I mean, and search on them Google. And, uh, yeah. Don't search for that. Don't search for that while you're in your office, potentially in a work-based situation, and definitely yeah. listen to Derek and Clive when you've got some kind of headphones in. That's yes. all we'll say. Do you know what I mean? Indeed. We'll leave that there. We'll just leave that there for the site, but that's a good start. Um, <laughs> um, for me, I think it would probably be the Jackson 5. Can you feel it? Because that's got a good... That's terribly civilised. It is terribly civilised, but I'm not going to say kind of like, you know... Um, I couldn't think of anything witty or funny, but I do. I do like. 
I do like that kind of song. Um, now, as with all things that we do whenever we're doing, um, when we're having a chat like this, we like mm. to find, we call it, it's like a gentle interrogation of the soul. So what we like, so what we like to do is we like to get the car battery ready. No, um, what we like to do is we like to find out a little bit about the history. So we're going to have a, a little bit of a peek back into the past. We're going to have a little bit of a concentrated stare at the tablet of the present. And then we're going to have a little look into the future. Mm. But it starts off with a little bit of history, Mr. Barnes. The so history? You, yes. Yeah, you expect me to talk, do you? <laughs> I expect uh. you to die. <laughs> <laughs> No, that don't, uh, no, I expect you to die. He's off. Right, I should have said so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Messed uh, up. We nearly had it. We it do. Th- no, it was close. We could run that's it again, good. but then it would involve editing, and it involves no. kind of matching up the sound waves and stuff like that. That you, that's, that's a lot you, of work. It is, and it's it's not a very funny joke. It wasn't that good again. Nah, no, it's no, not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Not worth it. We'll move on. Yeah, but how did no? How did you start um, venturing into this world of um, of lovely of lovely coloured bits of paper and cardboard? Well, yeah, the cardboard world. Uh, mine, I, you know what? I, from very early days, if I'm honest. I was, I always was interested in board games anyway. And probably my earliest memories of board games is stuff like the early Games Workshop stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're talking 1980s output, stuff like the Judge Dread board game from um, Ian Livingstone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that was pretty cool. That was kind of, I was a big 2 AD reader anyway. So that was kind of mashing together great things. So yeah, Judge Dread, all the Chains of Warrior, all the early GW stuff when they were when they were back in the day when they were producing board games. Yeah. So definitely that's my earliest probably poppy probably proper hobby board games. I mean it was playing all the usual stuff. Um and I did that for that was yeah, it was well into that. Then that kind of digresses into the whole miniatures stuff. 40k eventually and Space Hulk and all that sort of expensive toys. Did you have a large collection of like Space Hulk? And... Um, I did. Yeah, you know what? I had a I, my job at the time. This is ooh, so I'm kind of moving out of school years, teenage, twenty years, early twenties. Yeah, I had a, a job of incredible amount of, of disposable income. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of lot of stuff. How many? Everything. How many? Um, I had a. I think I had about three or four armies of forty k. I had, had squats, which are little dwarfs. Mm-hmm. Marines, orcs, and I painted all. That. How did I find time to paint all this stuff? Then I had the epic stuff we went into, so I played that, and I had a friend of mine um, who was obsessed with it as well. So there was two of us just kind of feeding each other's addiction, <laughs> like two just junkies. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> it was it wasn't a healthy relationship. Oh really. my goodness! Like two uh, two was it? What's the phrase? Like two spent swimmers that drowneth in their art. It was indeed, yeah. It was like train spotting, but more, with more meeples. <laughs> I did a I did a train spotting joke a long time ago when Kevin Young was on the show, and it did start off with like kind of choose life, <laughs> you know. And obviously, I was able to do it because I'm Scottish, so it sounded. Well, yeah, like you could do that very well. I, yeah. I did actually sound sound kind of not kind of not too bad. So, did you do the usual? And did you take a break from your tiny little figures to do other things? Yes. Or I did, did you happens. stay within the hobby and embraced it even further? 
Um, no, I. You know what? I did have that falling out of thing. I mean, I I went in. I stuck with it for a while. That went from Games Workshop. Mm. A lot of RPG stuff. Mm. Um, I was kept the RPG thing going. A bit of vampire, a bit of West End stuff. So all like Star Wars and Ghostbusters and all that sort of gubbins. <laughs> Um, I remember my obsession was Leading Edge. They did the Aliens board game. Wow. Uh, which I had all of that and the miniatures they published with it, which my, to my dying day, I will now be the biggest regret is I sold that. Um, when my youngest, my firstborn came along, we were looking for, along with a lot of the 40k stuff. So that went and to my dying day, I'm going to regret selling that bloody so game. So let me, right, okay, so let me get this straight. In order to fund things for your firstborn child. Yes. You, you sold some board games. I did. This is, this is some time in the past now, so I'm, I'm almost over it. I mean, have we, I mean, have you questioned your ability to, to love your cardboard again? I mean, I, I mean, that sounds like a shaky ground. It is. Do. I mean, this is before I was back into the hobby. So this was kind of All like, right, okay. uh, this is before I was. If I, I don't think it would happen now, he would have been absolutely stuffed. I think, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, have, you could have gone out and bought like something like mechs and minions, and then used the lid oh, of the box. Indeed, he could have just set in that, couldn't he? He'd be fine. He'd be well happy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no, I, I did. I still was. I was well into it, and then probably nineties, uh, uh, I got a job. I worked for Nintendo. Believe it or not, of all the weird, wonderful things. All right, okay. Um, and I was working for them in the marketing department. I ran their hotline, which was this <gasps> really? call center. Yeah, if you know anything of ancient history of that, but there was a, a oh, call center yeah. that you'd rang up yeah. Nintendo with. At the back of your instruction book of your Zelda or whatever would say, ring us, speak to the games counselors. Yeah, it was. I uh, used to ring them all the time. I think I used yeah, well, to. It was a fantastic. And it was um, Zelda, A Link to the Past. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. It was always how to get from the light world to the dark world or there was a couple oh, of yes. things you could never get back or why can't I defeat this boss and it's like well have you got the fire wand uh, no and that was that so yeah it was yeah wow how long did you do that for then I did that for about eight years I, I started off on there as a games counsellor mm. so there was a there was a job ad in the newspaper photo of Mario on it saying do you want to do you like video games and I was like yeah I like video games and yeah so that was crazy really just Doing that, I did that for probably about four or five years before I moved on to the marketing department. But how did, I mean, how did it work? Did you have, did you just play the, did you specialise in specific games or did you have like big books full of knowledge that you just, because I always had a view when I phoned up that there'd be a guy sitting at a desk and behind him there would just be A4 folders just full of kind of like Nintendo facts. It's not a million miles away from the truth. And you just um, turn around and grab it. <laughs> well, when we started, there was, a, there was a core team of seven of us started, yeah. all at the same time. And I remember the first day coming home from them, where I literally had a big bin bag, which <laughs> had any had NES in it, a Game Boy, which we were just launching, and all the software titles. And I mean, I was still at home at the time. I mean, my mum was just looking at me like, what, what's this? And I'm like, this is homework. This is under work. <laughs> This is my job. <laughs> and we had, um, <laughs> we had, I, I can't remember, we had something like four or five weeks to get up to speed. Uh-huh. They, they're the American hotline, but they, we didn't really have anything from them. So we literally took a game each and just broke it down, um, played it, completed it and worked it out. And, and that's pretty much what we did. And to the, my, it's really the only issue of all of this. It has ruined video games forever for me. <laughs> Because 
I've been doing this for five years and, and, and you got this mindset of the quickest route and how to tear down a game to complete it and do it. I can't play a game just for joy anymore. It's still there. The back of my head is this sort of, no, this Terminator type <laughs> needs to <laughs> kill this game. <laughs> Where the exits? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I want your claws. <laughs> Boots. <laughs> your What's your name? What's your daddy do? <laughs> so yeah we did that so most yeah. of it was we we wrote the manuals ourselves we wrote them out and oh. they were all in big lever arch files there was no computers back there really it was all done um written out uh, photocopied oh. and stuff um, but most of it we knew we just knew we'd done it so many times and most people were in, we, it was, most of it was like a photo recall we could kind of total you get the call and you'd know exactly what someone was going to ask you about about certain games so you didn't even after time even look at the manuals you you knew it it was, you know, it's like geeks and obsessing over stuff. Well, you know, you know, people know lines for movies and all that. After a while, we were just encyclopedic knowledge of all these NES titles. What game did you have? What game did genuinely people call up the most about? Was there one that everybody just, it just, it was maybe a fault in the game design or it was something like that where people just came up against the brick wall and went, no, nah, I got to phone this in. Um, we, we all the, all the classics did. There was, often we'd get calls about Rygar, if you ever remember Rygar, yep. which was a side rise scrolling With kind these... of Castlevania type thing. Yeah. In a whipple axle, I can't remember. I mean, and people just, it was impossible to beat. It was a horrific, <laughs> horrific <laughs> game. I think it was one of them we never really finished because we were like, oh my God, this is awful. Uh, but we used to get a lot of calls about that and you're just like, oh man. <laughs> What do you want me to say? It's all to do with it's all to do with physics, man. Use your fingers. Timing. It was reaction. Just, that was back in the day where you you used to get um you actually just used to get like credits. You didn't have yeah. save states. No, you, you had like three lives, and you, that was your lot. You didn't have patches. You know, if a game went out and it was like there was a there was a glitch in it or something like that, that was it. You were yeah, you were, you were stuffed. <laughs> it's broke, that's it. That's sorry, it. sorry guys. You just have to kinda of get on with it. You know you have to just live with it. I remember playing lots of Spectrum games and realising some of them had kinda of shipped a bit buggy. I remember the best one I oh, think. Yes, I remember the best one was the um speaking of Beastus Wajanega is the Total Recall Spectrum game. Yeah. That if you it kind of had a really troubled development and I remember if you put a code in on the high score screen it changed the entire game and called it Total Rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old days of the old hack codes. And all oh, that. it's fantastic. So you moved from being on the phones to doing the marketing. And then at this time, are you getting, are you yet getting back into the hobby again? Are you still standing about in the periphery? Are you going like, give me the console games, please? Yeah, I was, I was knee deep in it at that point. I mean, I just, <laughs> We did, it was weird because there was a, um, I was, I went to the marketing. We did have a period of time. At one point in time, we actually had Games Workshop came to us at the offices and I can't recall what on earth it was about, but there was some sort of license or something we were going to do. Oh. And, um, that kind of got the spark of it because I remember speaking to one of the guys saying, Oh, I've got all this stuff at home. And he was kind of glazing over going, Oh, what, really? What's that? <laughs> it's like, well, this is ancient history now. Um, so yeah, I was still well not into it. I mean, a friend of mine uh, in Portsmouth, where I used to live, was, uh, had a comic book shop, uh, Mundo Comics in Portsmouth, if anyone knows that. And it was like a weird kind of cheers-ish, everybody knows your name type place you went into. It was a very weird time. It was, it's nuts. And I used to kind of live between there and, and working. 
Um, and that's when I started getting the feel back for the for the ball games a little bit. Did he look like? Really? Um, did he look like? Um, was it Bilbo? It was spaced. TV show. Yeah. <laughs> there was a genuine there called Jeff, actually. Big, big lad called Jeff who stood around somewhere. Um, he did. He used to sit in the corner and sort the comics. It was a weird... You ever seen the... Read the book High Fidelity or seen the movie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was like that. Yeah. Um, and I was like the Jack Black character because I never worked there. I used to stand <laughs> behind the counter and just abuse customers and he did not care. <laughs> he used um, to come in and used to say, what are you doing there, champ? You buying Lonely Place of Dying? Are yeah, you, exactly. You having a... <laughs> You having a laugh? <laughs> you're not buying. Oh no, you're not buying. You're only reading. You're comments. only doing that because you heard about the phone vote. You know that. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was bad. It was a weird time. <laughs> so I literally used to. I days off. I would literally go to the comic book shop and hang around in there all day long, um, and do nothing other than bitch your customers and read comic books. <laughs> Did you have long flowing hair at the time as well? At the time, I did have long flowing locks. I had the full works. I had the long, long flowing locks, leather jacket, torn black t-shirt, the full works, you know, as is is required. This this is like, this is like Mike Barnes' life story. We could just do this. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) You could just, you can explain that we're doing the the other thing another time. Uh, Because this is too much nostalgia for me. I'm just like, (laughs) oh yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember doing that. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of remember doing that. Um, so what was the kind of the first game that kind of tipped you back down so, the cardboard road then? Well, to be honest, it was big jump forward because that was all happening. And then I, uh, kids, married, family, blah, 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 all happened. So we're talking about almost like a 10, 15, 20 year leap. And all the rest of the stuff in between is a bit boring. So we'll leave that anyway. Um, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just love and relationships. And <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that stuff. Building but, a know. life together and all that uh, kind of nonsense. Uh, if you want to go down that way, but you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I ended up in a new group, um, which was like my brother-in-law and some of their friends as friends of the, the missus, the wife. and all. We started, though I'm going to admit it now, was actually playing Risk again. Now I know it's not going to do my geek look, cred any good. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing wrong when you're, when you're taking those first steps back into the hobby for a exactly. couple of them to be faltering. It happens. So yeah, we were doing a lot of risk, uh, and Lord of the Rings risk, and more risk. <laughs> and then, and then I found, I dug up my old copy of Hero Quest. Oh. I was, I was like, oh, let's play a bit of this. And then I was there going, you know what? Hold on a minute. There must be, there's got to be more board games around. Yeah. I was like, you know, and this is probably, I'm trying to think how many years ago this is now. This is probably seven years ago, maybe eight years ago, maybe longer than that. I looked on, on Tut Internet and had a route around. And sure enough, one of the first things I came across was um, Risk Legacy had just been released. And I was like, well, that's Risk. We've been playing lots of Risk. Yeah. I could get us into that. I'll get, I'll get that. So that was one of the first ones that got us back into it. And, and boy, was that a, a way to get back into the hobby again. I mean, little uh, did you know what you were letting yourself in for. No, I mean, the concept of it, I was like, this sounds amazing, you know. And, uh, yeah, and it was, I mean, you know, to be fair, it blew our minds. And and still to this day, Risk Legacy, you know, taking aside its risk and all that, the whole of that legacy and that first play of that was just something else. Oh, yeah. That, that was a damned good way to get your introduction back into the hobby, full big time. So was that afterwards you kind of had to sit down? And say, honey, we might need to buy some shelving. Yeah, it didn't take long after that. Um, and there may have been a couple before that, but it was very short, <laughs> short time after that. 
I think within six months already, the collection had, had, had grown. And I think, in fact, six months in is when I set up the website, I think. Really? I doing the... Yeah, I was I was writing a book. I was going to write a young adult book, sci-fi book. Okay. Um, and I, I was about two-thirds of the way through that, and I had a website for it and everything else, and then this board game thing started. Right. And, and very shortly, it, I started writing a couple of reviews I was putting on this website. I want to hear about the book, Mike. Don't get away with it. Right. What, oh, don't what some. It, what was it called? Um, it was called Fire Night, and it was a trilogy. It was going to be a trilogy. It still exists. I've, I've still, I've been meaning to finish it. And it was taking, which now, as always, with a lot of ideas I have, I should deal with them at the time because then eventually what happens is everyone else comes along and does it. Yeah. It was all pulling from the eighties. I wanted to do something which referenced to the eighties, all those kids movies we love, all the things like, um, you know, the Temple of Doom and all those. All uh, right. Uh, buck, uh, everything, so everything from the eighties, which was a bit dangerous, but fun and kids in peril. And so that, but in a sci-fi thing with like almost a quite serious Ender's game, almost, uh, full metal jacket to it, where these kids going off to war and, and dealing with some pretty heavy duty stuff. Um, and horrible alieny virusy stuff that does horrible things to people. It was all kind of like this big space opera thing, and it was setting itself out into this be this sprawling epic. And it it was a lot of work. <laughs> Where is it now? You said it's two thirds gone. What's going on? Um, it, it's still it's sat there. And I, in fact, before I'd started doing what I'm doing at the moment, I'd pulled it out of the drawer yeah. and was going, you know what? I should finish this because this was so close to being done. So maybe at some point when I get a spare moment, I'll finish it. Just get it done. I need to get it done. So it's that it's, it's kind of part of creation thing is also that fear of completion. See, if it's there being tweaked at, then it's never quite finished. I know. I've, it's it's a work in progress. Yeah, but if you finish it, then you've got the fifteen edits and rewrites that you've got. I know. And I've, I've, I've been editing. I've been editing and rewriting it for about five years. <laughs> <laughs> Just not finishing it. <laughs> Do you ever like kind of like walk past? Of course, you do, I was going to say, do you ever walk past kind of like the DVD shelves in Asda or Tesco's and go, "Damn, that's my idea." <laughs> oh, there's been. I mean, Stranger Things came out, and Stranger Things. I mean, whilst that's not sci-fi, in the, yeah. the whole of the, what they were doing with Stranger Things, which was the whole eighties, yeah. you know, referencing all those good eighties stuff. I was there going, "Oh." <laughs> You know, because that's what I was doing. I was like, I'm taking a bit of crawl and I'm taking a bit oh. of, uh, you know, all those sort of that stuff. Battle Beyond the Stars is a favourite of mine. All these crazy sort of old cheap Corman 80s sci-fi and horror and all that stuff. And then I mean, you've got still... like, like Ready Player One and there everybody was saying for yeah. a while that Ready Player One was like fantastic. Oh, and then I've, That was brilliant. I've heard people, it... I've heard people go, actually Ready Player One's not as good as everybody says it is but I guess your mileage may vary I, I guess there's a sweet spot that it hits where everybody's, it looks my jam because I am a child of that era Have you, have you not read it? No Oh man, you need to read the book It's a, it's a, if you're that era you will, abs- it's like catnip for you, you <laughs> just I'll tell you it's incri- I, I, <laughs> At the moment I am I've, um, I've started on um I said I was going to mention this on the show. I might as well drop it in just now. But I've started on a friend of mine, Mick Fraser, who I used to I used to write for a video games website a little while ago, quite a, a couple of years ago now. But one of the guys on there, Mick Fraser, he um, he wrote a book under the name of Angela. It's uh, Angela Strange, and I think it's called the um, the Legend of the Ark. 
Writers or something right. like that. So he's wrote that book and it's published there and it's out on Amazon. And so he's finished his book. So I'll tell you what, right? If you make a road to writing your book, I'll make roads okay. to reading Ready Player One. That's a deal. That's a deal. You're, I tell you, you're missing out. You need to get on it. It's uh, If you're anyway geeky involved in the 80s and all of that D&D and video games of that era... You, 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 I, it's the only book I've, I still carry around. It's one of those ones. Where if I leave, go away for some period of time, either for business or something else, I'm traveling. I always take the book with me because I just read it. It's one of those I can dive in and out of. Um, I'm going to have to. Um, I'm usually the person that's um, telling people to go ahead and go and get things and buy things and stuff like that. But it looks like um, you're trying to persuade me, Mister. I would. Barnes, I would. It's a good, good couple of quid. It's well worth grabbing. Um, it's a great book. It is a great book. I whatever think, people will say. I'll get it on Amazon. It'll be like a penny. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be a penny and it'll be like one seventy eight to ship it out to me. So <laughs> as, uh, as Amazon do. Of course, as we say, other um, other uh, market marketplaces are available. Uh, in terms of conditions are. on request. Um, what you've been going, you know, obviously your collection has grown. No doubt you've got some shelving units to deal with everything and you've got your... Your kids, and you're married, and you've got probably various animals involved in your life as well. But what are you playing at the moment? Is there anything that recently has kind of caught your kind of interest? Um, I mean, I play a lot of stuff. Uh, recently, I've been, I've been playing a bit of uh, Near and Far. been playing a bit of that. Yeah. I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying Near and Far. It was, it's scratching some story itches. Godfather, the new Godfather, Godfather game. Yes. Um, really, really enjoying that, despite its production overproducedness. But the actual game is damn solid. Really good game. Why is it overproduced? What makes you say it's kind of like overproduced? Well, my only two annoyances with the Godfather game, it, it, as I say, it's a fantastically well designed game. Yeah. Is I was totally sold. When Eric Lang says, I'm making a Godfather game, I'm like, yeah, right, I'm there, man. Uh, <laughs> and he's there going, I like Godfather. And I'm like, I really like Godfather, okay? And, um, <laughs> so, um, so I was kind of already, it was, I was sold instantly. Um, and I was, it, the theme isn't there. It's a, you know, that's my only real, well, two things annoy me is, is it doesn't, it's not really a Godfather game. It's got Marlon Brando on the box. Right, um, but it doesn't really capture the Godfather movies for me. It's a mob game. All right, um, uh, that's my issue with it, and 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 it's kind of a bit overproduced. Really, it's got this miniatures, it's got the tins. It's all cool, and it all it's really cool toys and stuff, and minis and everything else in there. But then there's this weird choices where the the card art is all kind of duplicated, and you're going. Why haven't you got more card art in here? It should, it should be much more thematic than that. Tins and stuff, but you've not bothered to commission an artist to do some extra the, work for it. What's brain boggling is the rule book is packed with this beautiful oil painted art uh, of all gangsters and stuff and all, all the settings. And you're like, this is gorgeous. None of it is on the cards or <laughs> very little of it. And you're going, is it, is it me? Have <laughs> I missed a trick here? <laughs> can you, can you express your disappointment in a Marlon Brando type voice then? It'd be like, <laughs> and imagine I'm stroking a pussy cat while I'm doing that. You got your face kind of stuffed, just <laughs> grab some, grab some cord, just, just stuck it in there, and go, just wedge it in there. Trouble with you is your old frills. You took sides against the family. <laughs> We're gonna go to the mattresses. Um, yeah. 
My word, that's terrible. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but Godfather's kind of... I've seen um, a lot of people on various groups on Facebook kind of go, this is it, this is absolutely amazing, it's fantastic. And does <clears throat> does not being as exposed to the Godfather as you are meant to have been, is that going to affect your enjoyment of the game or do the mechanics see it through? Yeah, the mechanics sell it. Uh, I, I mean, a load of people prior to release were making a big thing about, oh, if you're not into the theme or the theme. There's no theme, I'll All be right. honest. It, it's real lip service. Um, it's a mobster game. And as long as you can get behind the fact of that, then you're fine. So what's it about uh, then? I mean, what's the, what's that? Because everybody says, oh, go and play it. But nobody's. I've not actually seen anybody say this is why you should be playing. I think Michael May, maybe even Luke Hector were, were kind of... Did a review? Of yeah, it they were kind of crowing on. Um, well, they were certainly showing off. Oh, look what arrived today! And I was like, "Yeah, thanks, Luke. Thanks, uh, thanks yeah. a bunch." Um, it's a. I mean, it's Eric Lang. So Eric Lang is. I tell you, one of the most refreshing things about it is the rules itself. There's like five main rules to the game. You get the rule book out. And it's quite slim, and you read it through, and it's like there's literally like five rules. You one on your action on your turn, you do one thing. Could yeah. be one of these five things. Um, and it's an area control and you you end up like that. You're controlling either these storefronts or areas of the city. Um, and you've got these sets of cards, which you're set collecting or you're using them to do stuff yeah. as actions. And it's real basics of that. But it, it's one of those with the first round you play it, you go, Oh, this is, I can't see how I'm going to do much or my actions seem limited. And then you get like about two more, another round in the second round in suddenly this, the, what looks like a real simplistic base of, of, of rules and strategy suddenly just becomes like Lord of the Rings epic. <laughs> You're going, oh, hold on a minute, I, oh, 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 you know, and um, it, it's damned good. It's really well done. It's really well designed. In this age of these ball games coming out, which are convoluted rules, all this stuff everywhere, yeah. this manages to do it so. Sort of like just, just like almost like we're not even trying. It's it's damn good. So um, if you're anyway area control, it gets take that in it. It gets vicious. We usually most of our games reach about the third or fourth round, and then it turns into like Saint Valentine's Day massacre where there's literally <laughs> everyone's dead. Oh, no. um, so um, it's good fun. Um, but yeah, be aware. It's got take that in it. It's got some. It's got bidding and bluffing, and this area control. I mean, if you play Blood Rage. I have yeah, no yeah. Blood Rage is another. It's another one of these games that's kind of on the on the list for me, and it's, because I've actually started kind of checking out what you can get it for. Yeah, it's it's probably come down in price now. Yeah. I mean, that's a bloody good game as well. Uh, they're siblings. They're not similar, but they're siblings. Uh, but Godfather, a solid game. Just really solid game. Is what I say on it. Really, I'm interested to hear what they say about Rising Sun because yeah, yeah. I've heard people kind of went do you know what I think because it came from Simon which sounds just call yourselves cool mini, cool mini or not everybody knows you're cool mini or not everybody still calls you cool mini or not you don't need to Simon it sounds like somebody trying to be posh I was concerned by saying it that I'm going to be misconstrued by this movie. <laughs> exactly I've got a mouth like a sailor <laughs> what Simon <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I think what I saw was there was um, people I know that went to Gen Con and they got their hands on Rising Sun and they said, it's, it's not just miniatures, it's diplomacy and it's tactics and 
it's like they've taken it to the next level. So everybody that was just expecting some kind of uh, dungeon crawl type game, they don't have to worry about that anymore. Because did they? They did Massive Darkness, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, they did do Massive Darkness. And it's been a bit of a... People have been a bit disappointed about that. I saw Michael May on To Can Play That Game. He did his review of Massive Darkness. He says, yeah, it's good. It's really good. But the campaign, it's... Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I... See, I like their stuff. Comedy stuff. Yeah. Um... I backed I backed Racing Stunt. I mean, it was helped by the fact that the old Langster attached as designer. He's, yeah. he's usually a pretty safe bet. Um, I mean, the Arcadia Quest is really good. I really enjoy that. But the things like the zombie side and all that, I've owned. But they, they tend to be a bit like the Michael Bay of board games in that it's a lot of flash yeah. and shiny, but there's not really much else going on behind that. You kind of go, oh, is that it? It's kind of like a medic trash, but in all fairness, my currently my uh, microphone is sitting on a box of um, of the others. So ah, I'm just looking across actually. The others other was that was all right. That was that was quite entertaining. And I've got cry havoc underneath that because ah. uh, yeah, I'm standing on a. I st- I record standing up, <laughs> which is a weird <laughs> thing to do because it means I can watch. Some sometimes why the audio. On the recording sounds a bit funny because sometimes I'm walking over here, you see, and then I can walk back again, or I'll, yeah. or I'll sort of, I'll, I'll find myself subconsciously kind of swinging back and forward, why there's sometimes a sudden change. But no, I stand up, and what I do is I put the mic on two boxes. So tonight oh. the boxes were on the others, and also Cry Havoc, which is cool. fair enough. I hear Cry Havoc of um, are releasing an expansion. Which is yes, kind of Mr. 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 Portal. Yes, but um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm uh, people of well, who, who was it? Stephen Rhodes, who was on the show recently, he said that um, the others is fantastic. Um, as I say, people have been here or there through Massive Darkness, but I don't know if that was maybe down to the kind of the issues with the prints on some of the cards. I there was problems I hear. There I, was. I, I didn't back it. I mean, I'm kind of sold fully down the road on an, on Imperial Assault at the moment. That's my go-to dungeon. Really? Crawl. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's Star Wars. Star Wars dungeon crawl. What more do you need in life? Legion. Ah, uh, no, Legion. I'm not. I'll tell you what. Legion disappointed me. The announcement, if I'm honest with you. Really? Really not behind that. But Star um, Wars on the big table. Well, yeah, it is. But it's a mini war game. What frustrated and annoyed me about it was that the miniature scale is like a fraction difference from um, the existing Imperial Assault Minis. It's not a massive jump up. And that's got its own skirmish game in it, which is probably now, probably the nail sunk deeply into that one, I would have thought. Um, I I don't know. It just seemed a bit of a cash grab that you think, well, you probably could have just used the mini scale we've already got, and then everyone could have used what they've already got and then bought extra. That's I, my feeling. Yeah, but you can't see that. Yeah, I can imagine you them kind of releasing the rules on that and saying, well, just use your Imperial Assault stuff. It I mean, they could have done starter sets with all the stuff in, but you know, they've done it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm literally like, the issue is I'm very choosy on these because you go, that's a, that's, that's a rabbit hole. That is Gosh. a, yeah, that is a big, that's a big money investment. An Imperial yeah. Assault, you can, you've got your Imperial Assault, you play your Imperial Assault, you, you can get a couple of expansions, you can get them quite cheap and there you kind of go. Legion, that's a that's a six that's a six foot by four foot table job, and mm-hmm. you're gonna want to do a battle of Endor or a battle of Hoth. Yeah. So you're gonna want lots and lots of lovely figurines, but we shall see. 
And I don't want to paint any more stormtroopers, <laughs> if I'm honest. Okay. Well, they'll just end up looking like, I think I've said this before, they'll just end up look, looking like the little mechs out of mechs versus minions. <laughs> You've just do like a little wash, you can wash on them. <laughs> That's a good game as well, by the way. Mechs versus minions. I picked that up recently. I was well impressed with that. I've talked far too much about mechs versus minions that actually Riot Games have got in contact and said, guys, stop talking so much about mechs <laughs> versus minions because otherwise we're going to have to give you some money. So, I really like Mechs vs. Minions Riot Games. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, the, all I say on the regards to that is, like, that insert and everything about that game and the production quality, you go, these guys are a video game company. What what, what the board game company's been playing out all these years that they've not been able to get that right? <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just, as I say, I'm just going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to get another, yeah. I'm going to get another email from somebody to just say you're just a fanboy. Yes, I tell you what, I'm a fanboy of an insert that I can actually use, which is why I'm That's looking amazing. forward to Wasteland Express delivery service. And which is why I've seen a lot of guys saying, oh, well, the inserts, we're definitely looking, the ins, upgrading the inserts on Kickstarter seems to be quite a, quite a thing which people are kind of pushing a bit. I well, know, I, it happens. I do you know, I've never done it. I, I'm a, other than that, I'm a baggies a baggies man. I just cannot see the point of spending the price of or, or more than the price of a game yeah. to make it fit in the box. I'm just like, get some baggies, stick it in the baggies, stick it in the box. Well, then you know, I was looking through the others the other night, and I and I uh, I punched all the cards and the tokens and everything like that, and I realised there's no physical way to get everything back into the box unless you squeeze stuff under each other, and I thought that's yeah. just. That just annoys me. They've got these lovely kind of cardboard boxes. It's kind of like the Dark Souls, the Dark Souls board game, which is fantastic. But they've got these massive boxes to protect the miniatures. But then you've really not got any space to physically put the counters and the cards themselves are on a tray. Now I, I raised this with <coughs> David Carroll at the time, and he says, "Well, we just have to bag it up." So, so kind of there you go. But um, yeah, but it's um, yeah, it's one of these things. So you get to the point where you're playing all these games and sounding like you're having a, a, a really, really good time. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, obviously, writing. And yeah. then you're mentioning you're doing the reviews and stuff. I mean, what made you move from being kind of like a guy that was enjoying his cardboard mm-hmm. to writing about it? Where, how did you, what did you, where did who, you know, who dares roles come, come about from? Where did you get the idea? I just, we, at the time, and this is going back five, six years ago, there wasn't that many, especially UK-based, board game content creators, or at least not fully that I was aware of. I mean, Shut Up and Sit Down were just started at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and they, I, you know, and their content, their video and all that is fantastic. And I was like, well, these guys are really good. <laughs> um, and then there was Dice Tower. Obviously, Tom was doing his thing. And there's a lot of the US stuff. But there wasn't really a massive amount of UK-based thing. And I was like, well, you know what? I want to, I'm going to do this. I'm enjoying this. I've done some writing in the past. I used to write, I did write a long time ago for Superplay magazine, did a few articles and stuff. Oh, right, so I was okay. like, I've, I've done, the, I've done a bit of that. So I've got a background into marketing. I've got a background in a bit of journalism. I've got writing. Um, screw it. I, I'm going to go in a, I'll, I'll start doing some board game stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it was kind of like an overnight decision. I whipped up the logo on the website and, and that became a thing and then I was doing it. It was as simple as that, really. 
Um, so what are you doing? Are you doing a mixture? This is, I mean, when you're reviewing games, are you the guy that just reviews games that you have that you've bought, or do you re- do you actually get review copies kind of sent to you now? I have had a few sent. I tended I, my early days in bread and butter, and still even so, was a lot of it was based on supporting UK designers and talent uh, because I felt that the the big guys get a lot of press because they get a lot of press. Yeah. You know, Dice Tower cover, everyone covers them. So I did start initially, and I still do have a thing for UK designers and yeah. UK homegrown talent, like because they don't necessarily get shouted at enough. So it was it was something that I could get access to, um, and I could speak to them, and there was some interesting, there's some interesting stuff coming out of the UK. And even now, I mean, there's loads more stuff coming out. Um, so yeah, it was really a bit of that. And, and I wanted to try and do it like a bit like an old school zap 64 magazine style, which never really happened, but it was, the idea was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and it just kind of evolved from there. It was really, as with everything in my life, there was never any plan behind it. <laughs> Other than, like, oh, this is a cool idea. I'm going to do this. <laughs> exactly. Let's see what happens. What happens <laughs> if I press happens. this button? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's started and, and, and it's been, you know, it's, it's stood me a good stead. I mean, five, six years later, I mean, I've made lots of just some really good friends in the industry. Um, just by talking to people and going, oh, stuff's cool. And, and it's just, you know, that's the one thing I always say is the board game, generally, people around it are usually pretty nice chaps and chapesses. Yes. I've been, I've kind of been finding that. I mean, even in our 18 months that we've had, um, being around as like I was talking to somebody today about this and just saying well in 18 months if I've had a guest list that if I transpired that over to like if I transpose that into being like a video game type of guest list I'd be having the likes of Shigeru Miyamoto himself yeah. kind of coming on but the video game kind of space is still very kind of PR driven oh yeah it's it's it's, it's still it's very a, kind of well you know what is your name who are you what's your reach who's your audience kind of thing whereas the board yeah. game space there is maybe a couple of people that are kind of caught on to that and they'll court the kind of the video game kind of media to get kind of exposure but you still can you can email tom vassal yeah <laughs> you know i emailed him the other week he told me, I, I, told me to leave me, leave me alone again. <laughs> but you know, stalking me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've got, I've got to frame my email from Tom Vassell when I asked to join the Dice Tower, and I've got a refusal email from Tom that I'm going to frame, yeah. take with me. Mainly, he was just like, "No, you're, you're filthy mouthed people. You're not coming on the Dice Tower. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> what are you thinking? It's uh, not happening. No, no, <laughs> but, no. But no, it's it's uh, nice to kind of like just be able to email people and have them go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'll come on. So it comes down to asking. It's like one of these things. Yeah. Like, it's like if you're wondering because I do get asked. Oh, how do you how do you get these people on the show? And it's like, well, it's like how I got. <laughs> it's like how I got you on tonight, Mike. It's kind of like you sent an email. I sent an email saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, want to come on for a chat?" Let's do that. Yeah, and then and, and and that's how it kind of occurred. So you know, yeah, yeah. if just you just ask these people, yeah. I mean, I did it. Rob Davio was one of the first ones I got on to interview, and that was I literally was like nerding out behind the microphone. <laughs> So I'm just like, he's my hero, I love him. I'm such a fanboy. And it's like, my God, how has this happened? But it is just just saying, uh, it was just having a little bit of, just saying, we, we, do you want to come on the podcast? And it was like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus, shit. <laughs> I think mine was John Gilmore. Cool. John's a good man. John's coming back on. He's, a, he's the man. He's coming back on end of September. 
Cool. Uh, yeah, I listened to that one because um, he's a he's a great designer. I love his stuff. Yeah, he's really really good, but he's also really really approachable. And you just yes. like you know. So he was the first one. So I remember speaking to him and him going, "No, it's all." I said, "I'm really nervous." He says, "Don't worry, it's fine." He says, "You know, you know, I'm not here to scare you." And it's kind of, and then you just chat, and then you realise you've chatted for like an hour and a half, and yeah. the time's just kind of gone really really quickly. But um, who dares? So who dares Rose? That's a kind of a, a an ongoing concern. It is kind of it's it's a very evolvy sort of thing. We do written uh, just like doing video bits and pieces of video. We did podcast for quite some time and still it sort of spontaneously appears a new episode does um, with no real rhyme or reason <laughs> to it. Um, and some of it's just I'm busy and some of it, I mean I've got a couple of other guys now. There's Charlie who writes a lot of RPG stuff on there for me. Yeah, a guy called Adam writes some articles. I write stuff when I can occasionally um, I've got some bits coming up and, and I did start kind of moving into the video um, because it was a bit easier in some ways to do. I find writing, I tend to write and rewrite and rewrite and I, I don't just, I'm not happy just putting out a review. I, I want it to be kind of a bit of a story and a bit, just a bit more involved, a bit more artistic than just a guardian review. If you get my meaning, you know, I, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very, it's very, very easy to, to fall into the review trap where you just say, okay, here's a, here's an introduction which says, but does it, you know, but does it fulfill all these kind of needs? Let's find out kind of thing. Yeah. And then have, here's the mechanics and then here's the kind of the roundup. And I think, that's kind of why the guys like shut up, uh, um, sit down, shut up, shut up, and sit down kind of did quite well because they yes. took that and they turned it on his head and they says, "Well, let's actually just go outside and do a video." Yeah, and their and stuff was it. really good. And just so often, especially written reviews as well, so much of it is it's almost like just a regurgitating of a rule book. Yeah, and it's just like ugh. So I always try to inject a bit of humour and a bit of just in it whether i succeed or not i have no idea but i amuse myself and i've had some people go i like your review and i'm like oh, good um so uh I, I i i've not put myself under any constraints or pressure mm. um i mean anyone who comes into this hobby wanting to blog and do videos and stuff if they're under the illusion that they're going to have that as a career they probably need to pinch themselves sometimes because i mean you know tom yes he's earning a, a a, a fin wedge he's from it. He's surviving. Across, yeah, yeah. He's only across, but then let's think, he's been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> shut up and sit down. I mean, yes, they've done well for themselves as well. But I mean, again, they came with a unique sort of, you know, something really kind of quite new and fresh and they built their audience and they've done their thing. Yeah, and they all came so, from video game backgrounds as well. And they're yeah, still yeah. doing the video game stuff as well. They still do. Yeah, I think, yeah. ra- I mean, I think... Um, yeah, it was was it Rado mentioned it when he was on. He said, um, "Oh yeah, I'd listen." Your Rado thing was fantastic. And he was, was, was yeah, <laughs> he was saying um, that um, yeah, they they've got cool ghosts that have got kind of kicking along in the in the kind of the background. But yeah, but it is it's kind of getting away from that regurgitating kind of rule book type yeah, of thing because so these you know I've, these rule books can be quite um, quite a difficult oh, thing to get to get kicking around. Yes. So um, I. Do you possibly know of any way that you could potentially help people get around a rule book, Mike? Um, well, that's a possible, <laughs> as we've been meandering quite happily here for a while. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> I should talk about what I was going to talk about. Um, yes, so Dized. Dized is potentially <laughs> just something that might no, actually help. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. No, this happened with Frank West. We did two episodes <laughs> of Frank West. And the first episode of Frank West was just like this. And then Frank West says, 
<laughs> Frank West says, uh, could, I come, yeah, could I come back on and actually talk about my Kickstarter this time? <laughs> so he came back, came back on. Yeah, Frank says, Frank is a good talker. I've, I'd spent a good few hours with no, him. No, it was just me just, talking to him and then he went, yeah. oh, I'm going to kind of go off and went, we didn't actually talk very much about City of Kings, did we? No, but, it's a good, that's a good game. But well, you, um, you came on um, to join Diced. I did, so yeah. And you're I mean, the UK regional manager, which, as we said, you now have a stunning selection of tracksuit bottoms. I know you're considering a Chewbacca onesie. Yeah, um, so jogging, I invested heavily in some jogging bottoms, which was quite <laughs> handy, um, because my work attire is mainly, <laughs> I'm falling under all the stereotypes of people working at home. A pair of socks not required currently at the moment. You know, just <laughs> loungewear. It's too hot for socks. <laughs> it's too hot for socks. Just let it free, you know, just, just go for it. <laughs> I'm just going to get my breakfast well maybe I'll get my breakfast now maybe I'll get my breakfast later yeah you know breakfast for lunch is, I don't know you know coffee more coffee is always required nip at a Tesco's get myself a cheeky croissant because we're feeling continental oh. <laughs> or, or, or caution to the wind dies how did that okay. happen so again we'll go a little history lesson but I'll, I'll keep it succinct to the point but it has to be there so, who Des Wiles is happening, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago at the expo, I, I tend to do, um, I team up with the UK gaming media guys, uh, and Chris especially runs that. He does, he's like my ever faithful cameraman. And we were just doing the, the board game geek type thing at UK Games Expo, except we were far low, far more low rent. We were like in the corner of one of the halls with a dead, a, just a desk and a tablecloth we'd stolen from the bar. And if camera set up that Chris would record and, and a bunch of a Steve, you mentioned earlier, Steve Tudor and a bunch of other guys, Luke occasionally, though he's a bit like a bunny in the headlights on the camera, um, would interview people. <laughs> and, and, um, we, me and Chris were having a couple of, uh, beverages in the bar one after one evening after a heavy Saturday at in Games Expo, and these two kind of crazy scruffy guys with lots of blonde hair and, and backpacks and strange accents. These um, two Finnish chaps called Yoni and Tommy came up to us and were like, "We've seen you in the hall with the video camera thing. Um, <laughs> can we come to you and can you film our game?" And we do a and we were like, "Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever, man. Have a beer." And we're like, and so that's kind of it. And they were like, "Oh, yeah," they, they were they were quite excitable. And we so sure enough, on the dot the next day, up they turn up. Um, and, the, and Yoni and Tommy, and they've got Race to the North Pole, which is the board game they're designing at that point in time. Um, with a very early version of this, this Dyzed app they had even back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the game itself is fairly simple, sort of, it's more of a family weight, weight game. It's quite vicious. Um, this rotating, the rotating board, um, was pretty cool, though I referred to it constantly as a spinny thing, which I think <laughs> Yoni was about ready to stab me. Um, uh, but the, so, we <laughs> so we did the video for them and we and we interviewed them and I did some bits with them and they they were just insane they were literally traveling the world at that point of time off off the cut back of a couple of visas with their game the demo copy of the game and they were building an audience for it and to be at Gen Con that year and then to get back for Essen that year where the game was being printed and they would sell it so they were they're nuts um, and, and, and fair news to them, they went off and they, they knocked on doors and they got themselves in with rooms with people that, you know, you'd think, how have you done that? And yeah. just through sheer bloody minded, we've got a product and they used the video. I know they used the video for it. Well, they were doing that, what we'd given them. And I kind of felt that was the end of it. You know, you kind of think, well, cool. Those crazy Finnish guys off they go and 
but they kept in touch. Yeah. Uh, sent me, sent me the, the copy of the game that they've traveled around the globe with, which I've got as a treasured possession now because it's, it's got more air miles than I'll ever have in my <laughs> lifetime. Uh, <laughs> so you just thought that uh, chapter was finished. Yeah. You kind of meet, you meet people at these mm-hmm. things and you give them a hand up or you try and do that and you just, you know, you give them, you, you know, you, it happens and you just think that's it. But they kept in touch and, uh, and the next year, uh, they invited us and said, actually, you and Chris, you know, thank you so much for doing the video for us. It's really helpful. Um, we're going to give you space on our stand and you can, uh, do your interviews on there. And they literally, we had like this free camera set up. We were like properly legit. We had like, <laughs> it was, it's crazy. We looked like an ESPN type broadcast all of a sudden. Even Vassal that, that was the first year Vassal came over and he paused and stopped at the stand where we were there and was like, that's a pretty goddamn good setup, you know. <laughs> we're like, yeah, um, and they didn't. They asked for nothing. They gave a half their stand up for us, and they were like, "No, come on, guys, and you know, we owe you a favor." And we're like, uh, "Okay." In, in typical, typical reserved British way. We're like, "Oh, I kind oh, of feel um, awkward about you yeah. doing all this to us. We've only given you a camera." <laughs> yeah, I filmed you, and I called your board of spinny thing. I generally insulted you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they did that, and we kept in touch. I kept in touch with them. And um, and early part of this year, I'd had enough of my job, <laughs> which was basically awful. <laughs> um, I was a, I was a, re- I was a, a store manager of a Toys R Us, and I had been for many really? years. Really? Oh, it's the most soul-destroying. Is uh, it? I... I, you know, I, I enjoyed, it was one of those weird Marmite things. I loved the job and hated the job. It, it yeah. just absorbed my life. Everything, it was just all absorbing of everything because you're always on different shifts and patterns. So you're never really getting time to yourself. And it was just, ugh. And, um, you know, it was just, I've been there this too long and it's like, it's not, it's, I just mm. kind of, I was done with it, you know? Well, it moves, it moves away from being about the individual products because when you think about going into something like that, where it's obviously something that brings joy and fun, it ultimately is almost about we are getting X number of product in. We need to look yeah. at ways of shifting this product. Otherwise, it's dead product and I've got to sell it yeah. at a sale price. So how am I going to generate that kind of revenue? moving out the building type thing yes so it was you know it was what it was it paid the bills and it paid the bills very well for a while and um but i was like ugh, i'm done and the wife was definitely done with it you know christmases and evenings and just not having the spare time so um i was like well i'm gonna gonna just change career i'm just gonna completely just i'm i'm done with it i'm gonna change career and um i was looking at all sorts of things even i was might be a postman i just wanted something completely just just no responsibility and just like oh i just want to just do something nothing and then all of a sudden um tommy one of the two guys who dies he, he'd seen a facebook post where i'd kind of said I'm, I'm about done with this and he was like well come work for us <laughs> and I'm, I'm like what, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, they, and they've been recruiting before yeah and they were like she like come on work for us you know you know we haven't got anyone in the uk we know you you've got contacts and more importantly we just enjoy the working relationship we've had with you you know us you know the product. Um, come and work with us because uh, we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, you know what? Hell yeah. Let's just do this. <laughs> just jump right in. Just what, you know, it's one of those decisions that you, you pinch yourself for a moment and, you, and you're like, if you don't accept that and you don't do it, then you've only got yourself to blame. So you're like, yeah, hell, I'm going to do this. Let's, let's do this. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, why not? 
that's that's go on this journey together. Well, what's the worst? <laughs> what's the worst that could possibly happen? What is the worst could happen? Absolutely nothing. It's just not. It's nothing bad, you know. So I'll get another. I'll get another job later, you know. Absolute worst case scenario. It doesn't work out, and da 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 da. da then fine, you know. There's always another job. It's like um, Sheila Booth says in Transformers. Yes. What happens if we get out of the car? Exactly. We, we could stay in the car, and then it turns out that car's Bumblebee. And then you end up running about doing all types of arty stuff and then starring in the worst Indiana Jones film ever. So maybe that's not a good analogy. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do something uh, else. So, <laughs> do something else. So yeah, so, um, yeah, that happened. And they, you know, it was as really as simple as that. I mean, we, you know, this was a relationship I'd, over a couple of years. We'd, we'd known each other and I'd helped them and they'd helped me and we just kind of knew each other. Um, and they were looking to expand dies and, and move it to the next you know platform and get it out there and they were like we need people in different areas of the world and you're uk we know you do you want to do this and i'm like yeah okay let's do this <laughs> let's do this so dies as a product i mean this is let's get into let's, let's get, get into some, nitty gritty let's get into the itty nitty gritty bitties um is it a fully functioning out there product what stage is it kind of currently at just now uh, so Dyes at the moment is it's it's seeking crowdfunding. It's right. on Indiegogo um, at the moment, and it's seeking crowdfunding. It, it, it's what Dyes is is an app, um, and it's an app that it's to teach you board games um, and to teach you in, in like an interactive tutorial. So it's not just a whereas you're you know you can watch Rodney and Rodney's a lovely bloke on a video. And he would teach the game. Yes. Um, or you can, you know, you can read the rule book and your mate can teach you and all this. And this is kind of taking a little bit of all of that and creating these interactive tutorials where as you play, you learn the game. Um, that's the, that's the key kind of selling point of it is it's literally you buy your, you buy your board game, you take it home, you open the box and you turn dies on and you go, okay, yes, I've got that game. And it, talks you through the whole process even from the point at view of actually if you've just bought the game how to break the game down the first time um and it teaches you how to, it, it will tell you how to set the game up on the table and then it will step by step slowly but surely teach you the game while you're playing the game that's that's what it's doing so that you're learning as you go a bit like video game tutorials i mean richard covered it when you were speaking to rado actually yeah um you know the modern especially a lot of modern video games they're designed to to teach you the game as you play. If you get your Assassin's Creed of the Wales and all that, you play them nowadays and, you know, in the first hour or so of the game is actually tutorial, kind of stealthily merged into the fun you're having. Yeah, and you still um, get, you still get kind of like context sensitive kind of bits where it says press this button. It's always kind of guiding you kind yeah. of all the way through. Um, what, I mean, do you, do you regularly use the app yourself i mean is it what kind of stage is it is it is it fully finished is it fully functioning can you actually do you muck around with it yourself and and play it's test not, it um, i mean i'm playing i mean i'm doing bits and pieces with the rules lookups of them at the moment with the guys but i mean there is working versions we've got the carcassonne on it at the moment and yeah. some of the other ones um blood rage and all that is advanced through and seven wonders they're working on so they're all in kind of points of kind of finished but nothing's complete yet. I mean, the whole point behind the Indiegogo is that they're really only a small operation at the moment. It's literally like a couple of guys and a girl. There's Anna, bless her, miss out on Anna, um, who've been running with this product for a good couple of years. So a lot of it's been done really with a handful of 
folks. Um, And to achieve what they've done, that's pretty impressive. So the whole point of this is really to do what they need to do in the time scale. They want to do it by like August next year. Yeah. They need to do the funding and get it so that they can ramp up production, get more developers on board, get more people on, get more people doing the rules so that, you know, just many hands might like, like work. They could do it. As I said, they can do it in 10 years time with what we've got, (laughs) but (laughs) who wants to wait 10 years? Um, so yeah, to do it in the, in a much speedier and, and, and finish the process, then that's what the pro really what this is about is, is getting it out there for A, so people know about it and B, to get the funding so that it can get more people through more people at this thing and finish it in a timely manner. Mm Mm-hmm. So for somebody, as you said, for somebody kind of like picking up like um, Carcassonne app, they could go in, they could, I take it as kind of like it's a pay-as-you-go thing from what I, so, I can Yeah, see. it's working, um, yeah, it's, there's a kind of subscription to it. So it's basically you pay for credits at the moment and you'll get, so whatever tier you back it at present you're the thing which is discounted at the moment so that's a good time to jump on anyway but you'll get a credit or six credits or whatever and you can pay a credit either to have a tutorial for the game so you you've got the others and you're like oh, brilliant i want i want the others rules and the rule lookup which is another part of it as well it's like a so like your bgg forms and all your faqs and all that all of that's also part of this process where you can just tap in and go i want to find out what that means if i do that yeah so all of that can be yours you can pay a credit and you can have that game and it downloads to your to whatever you're using (coughs) and it's yours to keep that's yours you've got it you've owned it but like steam you've bought it and it's yours yeah um the other option is you can you can spend a credit and have uh, a month subscription and that gives you everything that gives you everything what's on there any tutorial what's on there all the rules look up um all the other tools, there's lots of social tools that are building into this. So like, uh, stats for tracking your group and people finders and board game collection things and lots of like, you know, first player pickers and, you know, randomizers, yeah. all this other, no, no, no. all this other stuff. So you could do all that with a credit. Um, so that's a, for a month. You get all of that and access everything. Or if you're only going to go, well, actually, I need this game, this game, this game. Um, cause once your subscription runs out, then you, you haven't got any of that stuff. Um, that's, that's, that's not on there. Other than there's, um, I think all the open, all the titles that we've announced at present, all the initial titles at Seven Wonders, Carcassonne, uh, Scythe and Blood Rage, all of those are ones that are available kind of for free. Mm. You'll have that on the, the free subscription. Okay. So it's kind of like, um, <coughs> it's kind of like there's like Amazon Music do something where they say, okay, if you're on Amazon Prime, you get access to kind of like basic Amazon Music. Yeah. But if yeah, you, you if you want access to everything that we make, then you have to pay like a either pay a monthly subscription or you actually just go ahead and you just buy the songs or the albums kind of individually yes. as you kind of want to kind of thing. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much how it works. I mean, free will give you limited to say whatever tutorials that, are, and I think the intention is eventually to rotate them out so that there's yeah st- stuff changing out, um, and it gives you the setups and it gives you all look up and you'll get that you know bits and pieces of that for free on all that stuff and then as you say the more you pay the more goodies you'll get okay um who um yeah. who, who's going to provide the content then is that going to be something that you is as part of your job as kind of the uk regional manager is it reaching out to kind of designers and saying well here's the app do you want to work together kind of getting your content on to dice or how, how's that kind of working it's a bit of all of that i mean we are, they're developing at the moment because all of it's in house currently and, and it's quite 
at the present, they're designing the rule tools to make the process a lot easier to do. Yeah. Because the initial first few games have all been like hard coded sort of from scratch, which is highly That's intensive. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and especially for a small party. So what they also, in hand in hand with that, have been developing this tool that will allow you to create these tutorials without the pain of doing what we've been doing. <laughs> mm. um, and so that, that's what the part is. Eventually what we'll do is publishers uh, or designers can, if they want to do their route, go there, get that tool, and they could sit and do it themselves. Okay. Um, or we will do it as well for them. Now, I don't the ins and outs are fully of there's, there's going to be some money involved in that. But yeah. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- that's the way to do it. At the moment we're, we're doing all of that in house. Um, and that's the rules look up and everything. And, and it's quite initially you go, Oh, that's fine. And then you actually, when you think about breaking down a game, uh, even something as simple as Carcassonne, you know, what's the steps required to do in the first few rounds? So AI learn the game and be on playing the game. Yeah. Um, which is fine, you know, to Carcassonne's, you know, okay. And you go to Seven Wonders and you go, yeah, okay. That's a little bit more complex. But then you got Scythe and you're it's... like, Oh, <laughs> see for the likes of say, um, Something like say Seven Wonders. One of yeah. the one of the things that um, well, one of the things that I've experienced myself personally is when we played Seven Wonders, you play the game all the way through as normal, but then you got to the end. It was um, um, a guy called Dave Wright who yep. owns lots of board games, but he brought out his mobile phone and he says, "Look, here's an app. You tell me how many wonders you've got, how many armies you've got, your military strength and everything, and I'll calculate what your victory points are for the game. Yep. Is that the type of thing that you're going to... Is you going to be having types of things like that into the thing? Kind of? Yes, there is intention to have that. They have got they call it... Um, there's all sorts of bits and pieces, but there's the... Um, this, this, I can't remember that. There's got to be all sorts of like uh, apps to it. And part of it, I know that I've been speaking to Yoni and Tommy. Mm. And Yoni's got a plan that he, he wants that sort of stuff to be that it will calculate your, your, you know, your scores at the end of the game. Mm. Cause exactly. Especially Seven Wonders is, oh, is one of those. It's painful. It's a bit, it's like algebra. You've played that game and you're like, Oh, oh that's been quite full on. And then you're like, well, now, now we've got to do some math boys and girls. <laughs> she, spreadsheet comes out. You're like, Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, part of it is, is having that there. And, you know, and especially I've been speaking to them. They, you know, they want to do the board game stats of like your group stats. So if members of you, if you, guys you play with regularly you can start having like league tables or stats on what you've played and who's won what and i said you've got to have graphs in there because like gamers like stats <laughs> so yeah. so it's got to have all that sort of stuff in there as well i mean um with are you going to be looking at kind of the hotness like you know we mentioned kind of cool mini or not are these going to be are there going to be games you're going to be actively chasing to kind of get on the app I mean, is um, it? I mean, is it difficult? I mean, okay, look at it this way: we both know Frank. Yes. Yeah, City of Kings. Yes. City of Kings went from being a complete outside game that people had heard of to being kind of like basically look at it this way: this year's one of the biggest kind of UK kind of funded campaigns yeah. that went out there. It is that would that be something you would consider kind of chasing if you saw somebody that funded quite well? Or would you consider having an app? Kind of put in, or would you consider putting your rules and stuff like that 
kind of in? Is that kind of stuff that you'd be it, looking at? Or um, yeah, I mean, I could or could not confirm whether me and Frank have had a conversation. <laughs> but um, I had a, but yes, I had a conversation with with Frank today, but it wasn't about you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know. Some of it is publishers coming to us and saying, whoa, 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 especially as the campaign's grown. Um, a lot of it's been like, guys come to us and gone, we've got this. And we're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the concern is at the moment the guys have got is obviously we don't want to promise the earth. Because if we yeah. turn around tomorrow and go, we're going to have all of FFG's back catalogue and we're going to have Stronghold games and we're going to have Portal games and we're going to have da 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 Which is all well and good, but some poor soul's going to have to make that work. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we're announcing stuff. And, and I, I'm almost certain, I, I know for a fact, at some point during the campaign, we will be announcing more titles. Um, but the concern, you know, it's more caution on the fact of not over-promising. There's always danger of any Kickstarter or any any crowdfunding thing is mm. the the one that goes, well, we're going to give you all of this, you know, uh, and it's they're being very cautious just not to overpromise. Yes, the overall eventual goal is to have, you know, get everything on there, get as much as we can on there. Yeah. At the very least, you know, get the top 100 on there, um, get the games that people want to play. And there's there's going to be options on there for people to vote for what games get put on next once yeah. we start doing it some of it may be publisher led because they might come to us and say well, we want this game on there and we're like okay well i mean there's compa- um, i mean there's companion apps i mean let's face it i mean it's uh, um there is companion apps out there that are already i mean if you think about say like xcom for instance yeah. it's kind of like it's not teaching you the rules it's basically running the whole the whole game um has there what has mood been like in terms of people when you've explaining the concept to them, not designers, but what's what's the feedback that you've had? Joe from the public. public, yeah, um, it's been surprisingly really positive. Hmm. Because I'll be honest, I was concerned because there's one thing I, I know is, is that tabletop fans and geeks can be quite opinionated. Um, <laughs> I've n- I I can't <laughs> remember. I don't remember seeing that um, except maybe the, about three weeks ago when I posted up that Terraforming Mars was didn't live up to the hype. Oh my god, <laughs> that's jeez! I can I can see that going badly. I'm still uh, uh, I'm still here. Uh, yes, good work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been. Do you know what? It's I've actually been quite blown away by how how positive a lot of people are. A lot of people are like. Actually, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I mean, the, the key thing is what the message the guys had is then they're, they're trying to get accessibility. They're trying to broaden the audience of board games. It's not just to cater to the board no. game geek fans and people who are out there. This is about getting that other 80% of the population that doesn't even know <laughs> that, you know, maybe this hobby exists. I mean, there's such a huge untapped market out there. Uh, and one of the biggest you know, barriers to entry is that bloody rule book. Um, you know, you, you take the, you know, even, even the most simplest of games uh, that we would go, that's simple, you know, put that in front of someone, you know, a board game muggle who's not, not encountered these marvelous things that we've got. They could be, they can just lose it. They won't read it. They won't, they won't go to the effort. And there's games that you have to play or you have to see play in order to kind of get to understand the rules. There are rule books out there. Um, which have a reputation of being terrible <laughs> to understand, yes. and I'm, you know, I am looking at the cry havoc there because people have said to me, uh, yeah. "Watch a playthrough." 
don't bother with the rules because the rules will take you a long time to yeah. read through and you'll end up yeah. being kind of quite quite confused i wish i'd had that advice because i learned koi havoc by playing it through the wall book one night <laughs> i should have known better i loving better. i should know better. I, I loving nasi he's a lovely he's a fantastic designer and, and I, I just love the cool stuff that he designs but rule books are still something that are very much a fluid in his hands shall we say <laughs> constantly evolving <laughs> i have um I have questions, and this is probably um, a, a probably a big, biggish question. Yes. Um, the first one is from um, the Giant Brain at the Giant Brain, which is Ian McAllister, who is asked, Ugh. "How are they going to get enough companies on board to make it worthwhile for consumers?" And I guess that's your job. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah that's <laughs> partly my job. Yeah. Um, and we've got regional managers across the globe. There's uh, there's Jackie, lovely lass, who's in um, North America. Mm. Um, I mean, the guys themselves, Yoni and Tommy, have done a massive amount of already tapping on doors. You know, they've been for the last two years. They've been they've been going bang, bang, bang. You know, you, you, this is dies, this is dies, this is what it is. Mm. So they've done a lot of they've done a lot of that groundwork away that hard work. I mean, Eric Lang is is a partner on board the company. He's met those guys and he and he saw what they had in mind and yeah. he saw what they were doing and he was like, yeah, these and, and he comes from video game design background as well, so he understands that whole process of teaching and learning well there's there was, no doubt that people haven't heard that the people have heard of you i mean you know you yeah. have been one thing we can say is the visibility <laughs> of the app is pretty much a lot that you know everybody's heard of you and you which know, is I, half the battle yeah uh but no the, i mean the, the advantage is you know a lot of you know the industry a lot of people know of us um the you know designers and publishers uh so Getting properly people on board isn't a problem, as per se, because I mean we've already got quite a raft of publishers on. I mean, Stonemaier is a, and and Simon alone are like pretty good big deals, and, and you know, Hams and Gluck, Repos, we've got. Uh, there's lots of guys already there, and the, you know, so every day there's the possibility for more people. Um, as I say, we're cautious not to go running around going, we've got all of this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you start building expectations for people. There's a lot of stuff we'd love to have on there. I, you know, I, I, with anything, we've, we've definitely already got some pretty damn cool companies on board. And with anything, once something kind of picks up a bit of steam, then everyone else looks and goes, oh, you better go on there. It becomes uh, something that you have to yeah. kind of almost have a kind of like a presence on there. So, do the, um, so I'm not concerned by it. I'm like, you know, if you want to be with the cool kids, come and come and come and see us. <laughs> Give me a call. Do the um, do the companies that are getting involved are they are they pitching in for kind of like development work? Do they bring aboard kind of resources themselves to help? Do they are they quite involved in the design process? Um, not not in my experience at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it is in house. Um, however, we work alongside them, so. We are working on the stuff and then we'll go away and we'll go to, you know, Jamie, you know, it's Stonemaier or someone and go, well, look, this is, this is Scythe. This is how we're working on this. This is how this works. Yeah. Um, and so they are, they're signing off on these things going, oh, no, I like that. Or I don't like that. Or we might well be going, okay, how are we going to get this to work? <laughs> so there is a bit of a, yeah. a bit of this and that, but a lot of it is in house. But then there's a lot of guys on board who are, Part of why they bought you know, me and some other guys is because we've been in the industry and we've been playing board games for so long. So they were like, yeah, you know board games. So part of it is going back almost to my Nintendo roots, actually, of dissecting gameplay. Mm. 
of kind of going, okay, ah, oh, this is how this works. So, um, and chances are, you know, once, if we can fund and, and get into the money we need, then yeah, you know, we'll be bringing more people on board. That's going to be definitely part of the plan. Yeah. I mean, um, with, uh, with you doing that, I mean, is it, are there some of the games that you're looking to bring on? Are they quite daunting? I mean, you've mentioned, I mean, obviously the scythe, which can't, is a massive difference or departure yeah. from doing something like Carcassonne. I mean, I, I've been working on the Seven Wonders rule lookup stuff um, over the last few weeks. I've just been doing just the work behind how the rule lookup will work. And that itself, even though Seven Wonders is only four or five pages of, of rules, you know, once you start breaking that down into yeah. It becomes quite, that's uh, on itself is like, whoa, there's actually a lot going on here. So yeah, I mean, Scythe is definitely of our current crop of stuff we've announced is probably the most daunting because it's, that's, that's a hell of a game. It's the Uh, exceptions to the rules. It's explaining, like, for instance, when you are, um, putting, when you're upgrading, say, like a section on your map. What actually happens once you've done that? You know, what do you get access to? You what know, happens, yeah. yeah. You know, what happens with the 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 kind of the, I guess the the happiness index when that goes up? Um, you know, what happens when this person attacks against this? What actually rules are you following for the kind of the battle and stuff like that? So it can be. I can see how it can kind of be quite. Um, that's quite a complicated. Yeah, that's a little bit more complicated. I mean, the cool thing about it is even Jamie when he designed Cybe, you know, part of his thing actually was built into that was this play as you learn mentality though hmm. i mean i don't know if you've played side or whatever but i mean it's got oh uh, yeah it's got a couple of cards that came with it which were like do this on your first couple of turns um so even he'd already been thinking about you know getting you playing and getting you learning as you go so that's been the advantage with that is that, that jamie from a designer had come at it from that angle to a point himself mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a case of that was quite a nice sort of point to come at it ourselves from, um, we get there. I mean, you know, we're anything. It's just, just trying to narrow and going, okay, what's the path? There's a route through here to get to this point, And then we spread and go from this point to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's a, every day's a school day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, interestingly enough, the biggest, um, elephant in the room kind of thing is the funding platform, which yep. seems to have gained pretty much the biggest kind of feedback that I've seen. In fact, you know, Rory, that's one Boy. of the questions that Rory, Rory asks is, yeah. you know, um, he says, first of all, it's Rory J. Summers, friend of the show, and all round just really decent guy. Um, he says um, he backed it today, so he's back. Thank it. you, Rory. Then I will say, decent chap that you are. He is a decent chap. And he says he'd be curious as to why they went with Indiegogo over Kickstarter. I said yeah. I know the answer to this question. I did I did see you knew the answer. So shall I, shall I let you have first pop? And, oh, yeah. You know, I or, can, do you I, wanna, or do you want to see what I'm going to say and you're going to go, ah. Um, <laughs> I'm int- I saw a conversation on oh. uh, Facebook, which is why ah. I know. I've you might know them. the answer too. Yeah. Um, it has got something to do with the use of Kickstarter of a platform based on the country of origin that the business is in. Yes, that, that is definitely te- one of the main... Which is why when originally when the likes of, say, Mantic and Steamforge games originally started to do Kickstarter, they had to register themselves as US companies yep. because when they went into Kickstarter in the first, the beginning... It was actually yes. illegal for companies to be able to 
in the UK to be able to crowdfund and use a game or an item as a reward, as to do with something yes. laws regarding investment. There so, was some weird. So I believe that in terms of, um, there was two reasons. I believe that one of the reasons was because the um, because Dyst is a Finnish company that there was some potential administration issues with regards to that, and also secondly, I believe um, it was because of the level of support that Indiegogo was offering over Kickstarter. How's that? Yeah, that's pretty good homework assignment. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, fin- they, you, if you're a Finnish company, you can't you can't run a Kickstarter. Um, uh, you, the only way to do it is is setting up a, a, a shadowy, you know, yeah. a, a front company, a front company somewhere yeah. in in a region that will allow you to do it. So that's just more. Uh, um, and and that so that was one of the things, but that isn't necessarily a, a, a you know if you want to do it you're going to do it so that's not going to stop you running on it. Most of it is related to to what at the time Indiegogo were offering in regards to the flexibility and what they were offering behind the scenes and what we could do with the thing. Um, whereas Kickstarter tends to be a case of yeah you can do what you can put it on there and then they kind of like that's it they don't really. As far as I'm aware from my dealings with it and understanding is they don't really have any further involvement. It's like, yep, you've approved your project. Off you go. As long as you don't step out the realms of what you should or shouldn't do, that's pretty much other than when it comes around to payday is where their involvement is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whereas Indiegogo have been very much involved behind the scenes up leading up to the launch of the project. Um, they've been, you know, advising and supporting and, and doing stuff with the guys. And, and, uh, so yeah, it's kind of collaborative effort. They're more, they're still kind of that early days of the uh you know the sort of wagon trail out into the beyond where kicks where crowdfunding started as you know that sort of we're going on an adventure together uh rather than more of the cold corporate identity i mean yeah well i guess is it not i guess the other thing is as well is that um you say the verb is to kickstart a project kind of thing. Yes. So it's, it, it is, is the known. It is the kind of the, it is like saying, well, what are you doing tonight? And, you know, my wife says, well, see, once you finish that episode with Mike, you better go down and do some, <coughs> you better go down and do some hoovering. Yeah. So it's that kind um, of, it's, it's this, it's, well. it is, I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. Kickstart's huge. Uh, and to be honest, you know, potentially we launched on that. We would have definitely put, would have got a wider audience absolutely hmm. is true i mean who knows they might well do one another down the road i don't know there's there's usually what you have is companies doing kickstart and hopping to indiegogo afterwards um yeah when they when they uh, promise it, everything and then realize yeah. don't have the oh god okay <laughs> quick we need more money exactly. um, you can follow our campaign on uh, i'll spell it for oh, you it's i n d i um so, I, I mean, it was more to do with what, the, what they were offering. And, and more so, you know, it's a tech as an app. So, and actually Indiegogo is more uh, tech, tech savvy. It's more a lot of startups and uh, uh, software and all those sort of startups, tech startups, have, have often gone through Indiegogo. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it can't be bad. Dice Tower use it and so does Rodney. So that must be tell us something exactly. going on down there. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but, how do yeah. you get involved? What kind of levels are you looking at in terms of the pledge? Because it works differently from Kickstarter in that um, you, when you pay, you're paying, basically. Yes, yeah, so you pay, you pay. Uh, the lowest tier we've got is $9 is the lowest tier, which gets you six of these credits that we spoke about earlier, 
and gets you a supporter badge, which is a digital badge and vote tokens that you can use. And then it's, that's, that's the lowest tier. So, and that's equates at the moment, they're saying that, you know, it's about 70% off of what that potentially is going to be when it launches a year from now. Hmm. So there's quite a discount on it. Um, so you go at nine and you can go up from there from 15, uh, 39 all the way up to if you want to do $250, which gives you all sorts of doodads and, and that higher levels. Uh, for the 99 and the, the 250 gives you the early access and, and the app developer tools. I've heard that for the big developments, you actually go around and make people their breakfast, I believe. I've been told. Yeah, yeah, I've been busily doing that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a rumour. It's a good thing that, you know, potentially push for the big people. Yeah, it is. Have Mike make your breakfast. There you go. <laughs> I'll come around and make you breakfast. Like, <laughs> would you cross on to a full English, sir? <laughs> That's why you're out getting the croissants. It's just, yes, it. it means you can't ch- turn up in your jogging bottoms, though. No, I'd have to bloody dress up, wouldn't I? And everything. Oh, or maybe you could. <laughs> or maybe, yeah. Maybe ironic, ironically, you could turn up like Arthur Dent. <laughs> just in a dressing gown. Like dressing gown and a towel, yeah. Um, it mentions <laughs> on the campaign that they get access to free draws. So, what is that side of things all about? Um, so yeah, the free draw, they did this at Gen Con. They did, um, they did a free draw for like over a hundred games, virtually all the top games. Uh, and this throne that we offered at Gen Con, um, and one guy won it, Alan, I can't think of his surname at the top of my head, but he won it in Gen Con and got like an instant board game collection and this blooming great throne. <laughs> that I'm sure he's now, he's got it at home. I've seen, he sent a video to us, thanking us, and I've seen this thing. It's huge. Oh, wow. And I'm sure his wife's probably like, that's lovely, dear, but. <laughs> As soon as we can get a uh, shed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so similar thing. But I mean, once we hit 100k, is that's going to be the first one we're going to do. I mean, the problem is they're not a cheap thing to throw together. It won't have the throne, but it's going to have, it's got a Geekerson table in it. Um, and like all the bells and whistles that you would conceivably, it's basically geek, nerdy board game Nirvana in one hit. Everything you need. I don't know. You know uh, I just, I can't even think about that much cardboard. There's a lot of cardboard, uh, a Geekson full table, the full works, uh, and a tablet or device to obviously use your dies on, um, and Bluetooth speakers, all sorts, just loads of bling. Um, so that's there, but we need to hit that. We know we need, we're, we're nearly there on the funding, but we need a bit more to get to the, the free prize jaws. And once we get to there, there'll be more of them. Um, so the more early you've booked on and you've, you've kind of signed up, then if we do more prize draws when we do them is you get entered into more of them, which is kind of cool. Cause you're sitting at the moment, you're about, um, you've got, is it 20, is it 22 days? Yeah. About 22 days left to run at the moment. And, and you're about... 75% of the way there. Last time I looked. I think we, yeah, we have 80 now. Right. I think 80 ish percent there. We're about 10 grand off the goal. Just un- just under ten grand off the goal, um, and then it's all it's all gravy from that point uh, because we can start adding more stuff to it. Um, so yes, so yes, we're we're in grasping distance, um, and it really, I mean, fifty k is lovely, and we get funded at that point, mm. but you know, more is not going to hurt. <laughs> because there's a lot, a lot of work to do. Mike. So, which is why the hundred k is the is the prize draw is at. You know, yeah. yes, it's higher than it's it's pretty much another run of the whole funding. Um, but it's a lot of giveaway, and the more we can get on, the more literally the more money we get is 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 taking time off of development. So, you know, every ten yeah. k is taking months off the development. 
So is everybody much yeah, as, yeah. It's pretty much as simple as that. The, the more money is on there, the speedier the process will be. We we'll yeah. get it there quicker. Um, so that's the that's that's where we're at. So um, for people, have you got the elevator pitch? What would you say to somebody who's saying, "Yeah, this sounds okay, but why why should I bother? Why why should I jump in? What, what you know, what's in it for me?" What's it for you? Well, you're the cutting edge, cutting edge of board game tech, aren't you? Is this the thing? As I say, it's not so much, it is you're getting the app and you're getting stuff, but this isn't, isn't kind of going down the road of like the Kickstarters, the world where you're getting thrown bling at you. This is more about come and it's field of dreams time. You know, there's, I have a dream. We have a dream of everyone being able to play board games. Everyone and more and more people getting lots and lots and everyone playing board games. And this is one route to do it. Um, so it's all about coming in and sharing the dream. Yes, you get the app at discounted rate. Yes, you'll get the option of what you're going to do with that, whether you want to subscribe or whatever you want to do with that. But it's also about actually come and just let's go back to the basics of what crowdfunding was about, which was about getting <laughs> getting a dream or getting something cool made, not all about what can I have? Yeah. Exactly. You're getting stuff. You're getting the app, but this is all stuff. about, let's get something cool in the industry. Let's get something out there in the world. That sounds good enough. That sounds good enough to me. You could have obviously sung, um, kind of, um, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I, it, it was nearly there. I thought it was, you're almost there. I thought you were just going to go, come with me and you'll be. In a world of pure imagination, like that, and then everybody would just curtains would go down, and it the spotlight beautiful. would come on you, and that's definitely getting edited out. Yeah, uh, it's not good. <laughs> I, I could the best I could have managed was a snoop a snooker loopy, and that would have been pretty <laughs> awful. So, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, it's one of these things. It's one of you could be in at the beginning of something, or you could be playing kind of catch up kind of thing. The premise behind it, say, you know. The number of times I've seen a four-hour game night, and the first hour, hour and a half is spent yeah. is spent kind of going through the rules and people back-checking the rules and people arguing over the rules yeah. and, and and having to actually stop and stick Rodney on a video just to yeah. kind of watch it through, kind of thing. So the and and more apps are kind of you know apps are happening people are, are people happening. are playing board games on their phone they're playing board games on their tablets they're using as i think it's mansions of madness has got its app yep. i think you know you've got yep. xcom as we mentioned as well so i think there's obviously there's always going to be resistance because people say i like yes. my cardboard i don't like the electronic stuff getting involved because it might take my soul kind of i'm thing. absolutely but, you know. behind that mentality i mean i love what i love about our hobby is the fact that it's tactile. Yes. That we're sat around a table, yes. I've got friends with me, and there's something, I'm, I'm playing with something in front of me. Yes. Um, and so th- this isn't about replacing any of that. This is, I mean, you could just use it for the rule lookup. Even that side of stuff is, is just, it's there. That it, It's going to be there. It's like, oh, actually, we've got this, as you say, oh, what, what's the rule for this? I don't know. And it's going to be there. Boom, boom, boom. What's the rule? Seven wonders or whatever it is. How do I do this? Blop. And it will tell you. Exactly. And there's none of this BGG, as you say, none of Rodney 
bless him. Everyone wants to watch Rodney. Rodney's um, not, Rodney is just that you know the world needs kind of more Rodney, which is working. Yeah, I do. Rod, Rodney's kind of there. I do want to sometimes worry that he gets a bit hot because he wears a polo shirt and he has a t-shirt underneath. So sometimes he's, I worry under the studio lights, he, he might end up Canada. getting a bit hot. It, you know, it's Canada. He'd be fine. It's quite chilly over there. I hear. Oh, yeah, I so yeah, and. The, and that's the point is we're not on about replacing the Rodneys of the world and, and people writing, you know, reviews or walkthroughs or videos. None of that's going to get replaced by it. This, this is, it's not, it's not going to happen, even if it was our master plan and it's not, there's no twirling. Aha! We will take over the rule writing world. <laughs> um, you know, cause there's going to always be people who are just going to be like, <laughs> I'm not going to, I like the rule book. I like the rule book. <laughs> And then you get ones like, say, Mechs and Minions, which does a ridiculously good... I've backed into Mechs versus Minions. Ah, the old Mechs Minions. But it does a ridiculously good job of like showing you how to play the game. It's pretty good. It is it's pretty very, good. Very, 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 um, very, 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 very good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's another tool for learning games. And more importantly, it's got obviously the other bits on there what does more than just teach your games. Rule Lookup and all the other socially bits. Um, but most importantly, it's about, you know, if, you know, 10 years from now... Dice has been a success. It's around. It's on every game, and hundred thousand people are now playing board games that weren't going to play board games during that period of time. Then surely that's a success in anyone's book. Absolutely, absolutely. So, where can people find you on the interweb nets? Um, yes, the interweb nets. Well, me personally, I could can be found lurking around the um, sordid corners of whodesrolls.com which is www.whodesrolls.com that's my that's my sort of home for home um be aware not always safe for, um, for family viewing um uh but yeah dice itself is um is is com. it's d-i-z-e-d mm-hmm. if you go there that pretty much launches you to anything else it'll link you we're on indiegogo under the dies um it's a very long string that we I'm will, not going to attempt no, to read out. As I say, we, will, we will take all this information and we shall put it in the show notes so that we have Yeah, notes. in the show notes. Uh, but we yeah, go to, to dice.com. If you're desperately listening now, go, oh, I need to know more. You go to dice.com and from there you'll be able to link to wherever you want to go and get all the wonderful information you want to do. There That's the main point to look at. And we're all over Facebook. We're everywhere. We're you are everywhere at the moment. That was the yeah. thing that was how it kind of like got <laughs> Who's like, oh, oh here's, an, here's an email. Oh, what's this all about? Oh, I'll email them back. Um, <laughs> which was good. If you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, and uh, we appreciate every single person that does, um, we um, are delighted to see the, the iTunes reviews that seem to keep coming in. You lovely, Ooh, lovely people. You, Thank you very much. But you can find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can find us on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. If you go to YouTube and search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop, you'll find us there. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spreaker. We are on Acast. We are on any place you can find a podcast. If you can't find us on the podcast app of your choice, which is going to be strange because you're not technically going to be able to listen to us because you can't find us in the first place. But let us know and we'll get it on to the place which you need to find us so you can't find us so you find us so you can listen to us. <laughs> if you if you want to email us, you can email us at magic at com. We always like to speak to anybody who likes to speak to because we like the sound of our own emails. And if you have liked what you've listened to tonight and you fancy... Well, if you want to help and support the show... Then um, go into Apple 
Apple Podcasts, as they like to call themselves. I'm sure they penalise us every time we see iTunes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, so I mean, so listen, right, drop them Let's down a couple a of rankings. stars off there. Exactly. So what we say is, if you do like what you've listened to tonight, please subscribe, please share us where you can, and also, if you're feeling really lovely and warm, drop us a review. And as we like to say, um, don't give us ten stars, because that will make us big-headed. But don't give us one, because that will make us cry. Give us somewhere in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we are decidedly average. But the gentleman that's not been average tonight is the rather entertaining Mr. Barnes. Mike Barnes. Barnes, yes, yes, Mike that's a very good that's a very good Roger Moore impression (laughs) my eyebrows are going as well at the same time it's amazing (laughs) I could see that on the webcam I wasn't sure that was was your eyebrows or not Um, listen thank you very much for coming on it's been, it's been a pleasure, sir. It has been a pleasure indeed, sir. We, it has been a pleasure. It has been we a should, pleasure. We should do this again sometime down the line, I feel. We shall indeed. We shall indeed. And we shall find out what's happening with um, with Dyes and everything like that. Yes, well, thank you very much. And I wish you every success in your endeavours. You, you're doing quite all right for yourself, really, aren't you? Eh, you know, we do you know. all right. We do all right. You know, right. we do all right. We do all right. But there's, there's only two more things to do, though. What's that? What is this? Well, the first thing yes. is to remember that we are many things, <laughs> but we're not wizards. No. Are we wizards, Mike? We're not wizards. Definitely not. Definitely not. Absolutely not. And the second thing to do is to say goodbye. So, so. so it, is a good, it is a goodbye from, <laughs> it is a goodbye <laughs> from the one, the only, the tracksuit wearing... Crumpet carrying, dyed selling UK regional manager who dares to roll wherever his journeys and travels will take him. It is the absolutely fantastic Mike Barnes. Say goodnight, Mike Barnes. Thank you and good night, people. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, um, roll sixes. There, we love cardboard. Remember, we love cardboard. But sometimes, if you can get help from maybe a potentially a little electronic friend that's going to make you learn those rules a little bit quicker, is that such a bad thing? Maybe's I, maybe's no. But anyway, it's time to go go. So until next time, goodbye. Ta ta. <laughs>